Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson Killar jag så bra som mig Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores. Carlson. Yes, hello everybody. Welcome back to uh, part two of this episode of Keeping Carlson, where we're talking about preseason takeaways for all 32 NHL teams. We've covered the first 16, and now for part two, we're going to do the final 16. I'm your host, Elon Dubrowski, and with me is my partner in crime for everything fantasy hockey. It's Brian Cobb. Brian, welcome back for part two of this mega episode. I've been having a lot of fun so far. It's been really fun. It's been nice to visit every NHL, well, half the NHL cities with half to go and have something that might be actionable to talk about. It's been a really long time since we've done that, even like the off-season shows about free agency, whatever. Uh, of course, we started part one with the Islanders, which I said was a, a not a very exciting place to start. I'm going to say the starting point for part two is still even a little more interesting just because this is this is a, a wreck you might not want to look away from in the Chicago Blackhawks. Is this thing on in Chicago since beating Detroit in their second preseason game on September 28th? That's so like two weeks ago now. They have since been shut out in three of their next four exhibition contests. They scored just a single goal over those four games. And Chicago also got it scored overall 16 to 1. By Detroit, Minnesota, and St. Louis combined. Elon, you already know this. I'm going to give the listener a chance to guess who scored that lone Chicago goal. Pause. Three, two, (laughs) one. It was top pair defenseman. I'm still going to pause. That's a hint. You're still not going to guess it. Jack Johnson. Superstar. Yeah, playing with Seth Jones. The uh, Chicago's one lone goal scorer in their final four preseason contests. So what's to take away here, Elon? Uh, I guess I, I'll just say the lines. I'm going to say that Taves, Taylor Radish, Tyler Johnson on the top power play for what it's worth, of course, with Patrick Kane and Seth Jones. You've got Andres Athanasiu and Max Domi ending camp with Patrick Kane. Honestly, I don't want any of these guys, Patrick Kane included, And so here's what I'm going to say for anyone who has Patrick Kane in a keeper or dynasty, look for that first hot run and then try and trade him. Even if he gets you 90 points this year, he's still not going to be someone you're excited to keep the following year. Well, he's UFA, right? At the end of the year. So for next year, he'll be in a whole new situation. You're right. Okay, so maybe I'm not looking far enough ahead. I just... I. I just don't love it. And we already talked about him, how he might be a player who we can't expect what we once could have expected from, which may be linked to playing in Chicago. Um, But yeah, okay, so maybe it's in a one-year league. Forget your keeper or dynasty. In a one-year league, when uh, 33, soon-to-be 34-year-old Patrick Kane gets hot to start the year, try and flip him and see if you can can get out from under that, because I don't want any piece of the action in Chicago this year. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's going to get hot. I don't know. Like, he's a great player. I'm actually pretty high on him still as being a very, like, talented player in the league who could do well. But this is, like, a really bad situation. Like, uh, Dave talked about Max Domi being someone you might want to stream this week because he's playing with Patrick Kane. And I just don't know if that's going to be enough uh, to make Max. Like, Max Domi's, like, barely been in the, you know, like, he, what, he like, signed a $1 million contract or something with Columbus last year. Like, Athanasiu is having trouble sticking on teams. And now that's the top line with Patrick Kane's, it's going to be tough. I would say the opposite in terms of like, if your team's doing really well, at one point it might be smart to buy low on Patrick Kane because he that. will get, he'll get flipped at the trade deadline. It's funny. It's like the opposite of what I said, but I can't disagree. Although I will say if he's flipped at the trade deadline, we know that superstars moved at the trade deadline often don't continue to superstar. Well, Giroux did in, in Florida. It's like, it's so rare. Like, we're, like we're talking like a, a Patrick Kane, you know, it's like very rare that someone like him is getting traded at the deadline. It's usually not like super superstars like him who are capable of getting 90 plus points. So it, w- it would be exciting and interesting. And I would definitely be, it'll be something we'll definitely be talking about uh, when that happens in like six months or whenever it'll be. Anyways, that's enough Chicago talk for sure. Oh, Petr Morazic. Like, is their starting goalie? Like, he's st- he stinks, right? And, like, he's still available. Like, in Cupful, like, uh, in, in Tier 1, like, goalies are, you know, there's no starting goalies. Except for Vemelka and Petr Mrazek. Because it's like, I think people are just too afraid to have these guys. And I'd rather have Vemelka 9 days out of 10. Or 9 days out of 9. A reminder that the backup is Alex Stalock in Chicago, for anyone yeah. wondering. That's not going to last. Uh, okay, so next up, let's go to the Los Angeles Kings who are a much more exciting team than Chicago, going in different directions as to uh, somewhat recent cup winners. But LA, uh, the lines have been as expected, kind of like with Ottawa, right? Like we knew forever, ever since they signed Fiala. It's, like it's going to be Fiala with Kopitar and Kempe, and then they're going to stick with Deneau, Arvidsson, and Moore as that second line that did really well. So I don't really want to talk the forwards. Let's talk about defense, okay? Because Sean Dursey was injured for a lot of camp. Then he came back right at the end for a couple of games, a goal and two assists versus Vegas, a goal and an assist versus Anaheim. So that's five points in two games. Three of those five points came on the power play from the second power play. So it's kind of interesting, right? I'm not sure what to to read into this because I don't expect someone to be able to get so many points from power play too, right? And last year, he had a 35-point pace as a rookie, which is pretty good for a rookie defenseman, right? But of course, a lot of that was under the context of Drew Doughty being out. And so he was able to get on the top power play and had like increased opportunities. And now Doughty's back. So on one hand, you might think, okay, I don't think Jersey's going to be able to do as well Though, on the other hand, he's a year older, he has more experience. Uh, so, I don't know. Like, sometimes a team has two defensemen who are worth rostering, right? It's not as if you go, it's like top power player bust, and uh, people are pretty interested in LA. So, I'm curious to see if Sean Dursey can do more than the 35 point pace that he put up as a rookie. I grabbed him in Kakupful because LA has a good schedule this week, and hey, if he could end up proving to me that he's worth holding, like, I'm not like you know, clinging to him, even if he does nothing, but I'm going to give him these three games, and if he could do well. I'm I'm rooting for it because uh, I would love to see it. He had a good preseason. It would be nice to see Sean Dursey do something. He seems to be one of the guys this year that people are asking me about that I, I just can't see it. Last year was Max Comtois. I think it was last year. Sean Dursey is that guy this year. As you mentioned, most of his fantasy relevance last year came while Drew Doughty was injured. Now that Drew Doughty's healthy. And the takeaway from him putting up three points in five games and a couple of them coming on the second power play unit is that that's not a sustainable way to put up points. Not that we're going to dig deep into sustainability just from preseason action, but I just don't see the opportunity for Jersey to really produce in LA. Like Elon, if you're setting your, if you're happy with 35 points, it could happen. No, I'm, I'm not even, expecting more. I'm expecting maybe 40 even, to 45. Maybe 40 could happen, but I, I just don't see his route 
there with the amount of time and role that he's that I expect him to get. So we'll see. But he's someone that, as people ask me, like name him on the list of guys like on our Discord server who are the interesting defensemen or ads from this list. Anytime Jersey's there, I just move to the next guy. He's not someone um, that I'm curious. Oh, that curious enough. curious enough to add to my roster. I'll just add, Elon, you didn't mention um, the Kings leading scorer this preseason. Who was it? Arthur Kaliev. Yeah. The ahead. former uh, second round pick, 33rd overall by LA in 2019. He's 21 years old now. Uh, he played his first full season last year, 28 point pace in 80 games, playing bottom six minutes. The thing is that he's likely to still play bottom six minutes this year, but it's nice to see him um, do stuff with a little more opportunity and space that I imagine he was given in preseason that he won't get in the regular season. But it's always good to see a prospect start to uh, show up on the score sheet, even if it's just in preseason. Yeah, I'm looking at game day tweets right now, and Russell Morgan tweeted some power play lines in the top power play again, like as you'd expect. Arvidsson, Kopitar, Kempe, Fiala, Doughty. Yeah, second power play. Kaliev is there. Dino Moore, Sean Dursey is the defenseman. So I don't know if that like changes anything for you at all. I guess generally, even like the defenseman on the second power play isn't someone you get overly excited about. Uh, yeah, uh, in the chat here, Alex said it's Brant Clark time. I mean, he made the team. Right. But I don't know if he's uh, I think next year might be Brent Clark time. Like, I'm definitely not saying that Dursey is like better than Brent Clark in terms of a prospect. But I think for this year, I'd rather have Dursey. Uh, OK, so next uh, let's go to we just did L.A. We just did Chicago. Let's go to the east. OK, let's go to the New York Rangers where it's going to be an Elon team. Fun. OK, I guess here, here's the news. OK, the Rangers have four really good forwards right and they get split up into two. they have two pairs right they've got Kreider and Zibanejad and they've got Panarin and now Trocek and that those are the pairs and then it's always interesting to see who are going to be the third wheels on each of their lines and so far at the end of camp looking at today's lines uh, we've got Kapo Kako playing with Kreider and Zibanejad and Vitaly Kravtsov playing with Trocek and Panarin uh, Kravtsov seems like a very tenuous situation, right? He, he was bumped on and off of that line. I wouldn't even be surprised if he got bumped again. Like, it just doesn't, doesn't seem like he had a good preseason from what I've been reading on Twitter. Uh, Kapokako, on the other hand, three goals in his final two preseason games. Uh, he's obviously this, like, really high-pedigree prospect, even higher pedigree than Kravtsov, who was also a first-rounder. Uh, I'm into Kapokako as a stream, especially because the Rangers have three games this week, all on off days. Dave talked about that on the stream scheme, which I definitely recommend checking out if you haven't yet. It was an episode that we dropped, uh, you know, a day before this one dropped. Uh, so, yeah, Kapokako seems like a really good guy to try to grab, at least for this week. See if he can stick with Kreider and Zabanajad. And who knows, like, maybe this is the year where he finally does what we expect from him and he'll end up staying on your roster all season i wouldn't be super surprised if that happened wouldn't be super surprised i'd be a little surprised but no this is an opportunity when we've been waiting for kako to get uh now that he's already been in the league for so long without being given or being able to hold a ton of opportunity kako's entering season number four now this is age 21 season for kako and this could be the best look he gets all year if he doesn't make the most of it but i agree with you elon new york rangers with an off day early in the week why don't you go grab him for that see how he does and then uh, go go from there i i'm happy to see kako up there being one of the guys being given a shot like better than you know see jimmy vc being given a shot who i even as a third wheel he's not someone i'm that confident he's like alex Kerfoot in the best case scenario. Okay, yeah. Brent is asking in the chat, can Schneider get any power play two time? 
we have a tweet just from today again gamedaytweets.com uh, from Vince Mercogliano uh, the top power play was Fox Zibanejad Trocek Panarin and Kreider and then the second power play had Truba as the defenseman actually not Schneider I would have expected maybe Keandre Miller also to be ahead so I think that you're, you're you might be dreaming a little bit you might need some injuries Brent if, before Schneider's going to get there it was Truba Hedl Kravtsov Kako and Lafreniere as the second power play. So uh, that's the Rangers. Let's go next to the Detroit Red Wings, one of the other really busy teams this summer. We talked about Calgary. Now let's go to Detroit. Brian, that's a U team. It's a me team. <laughs> and uh, the thing I saw, well, of course, we all saw that Verona is off the top power play, which is as expected, and he's on the second line. So he's not someone, look, he could have a really great season. I'm not at all ruling it out, but is starting from less than ideal spots on the second line, second power play. And that second line isn't like, doesn't seem like a really great spot to let loose and rack up a whole lot of five on five scoring. So maybe he's looking like a 50 point pace score at this point. Uh, more is possible. A lot more is also possible, but not excited about Jacob Rana's year this season. Uh, the two takeaways for me from the Red Wings camp, the first is I'll, I'll call out Ben Sherratt, who signed with the Wings for four years at just under five mil in the offseason. He's playing on the top pair with Moritz Sider. And Sherrod is a guy who we've looked at in Montreal, someone who can eat a lot of minutes and put up a lot of peripherals. I think he can still do that in Detroit, playing top pair. And hey, if he's playing top pair with Sider, he's on the ice with Larkin, Bertuzzi, Raymond, that could be good for a few points here and there as well. So Ben Sherrod is a maybe a deeper cut peripheral getting D that you might be interested in. And the other place I'm looking at in Detroit is in the crease, where Alex Nedeljkovic has... Uh, look, I'm not going to say he's outplayed Ville Husso. He has, but it's it's not a big enough sample to say it's legit. And I haven't watched the games with my own eyes, but I do see that Nedeljkovic and Husso each had like a pretty good start. And then Nedeljkovic had a really great start and Husso had a pretty bad one. Um, and all I'm going to say is maybe this is more of an open competition than we were thinking it was a few weeks ago, even in your drafts over the last couple of weeks. And that Nedeljkovic uh, might not just seed the net happily here. So it could be a battle worth watching. And if you you were relying on Husso for starts, maybe this is just a little reminder that, hey, uh, if you have like a higher minimum starts, you might need to look for some other options and that Husso might not be the workhorse you're hoping for. Of course, this is very early days, but that's just a thought. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I never really expected Husso to be a workhorse, to be honest. I could see this being another New Jersey situation where the, maybe the, they're just happy with both of them taking turns. Maybe every once in a while, someone gets a couple starts in a row if they're hot. But yeah, I think that Nadelkovic showed that last year that he's a legit goalie. He, he shouldn't just be relegated to be a backup for the next four or five years, however long Husso was signed for. Okay, next up, let's go to... Oh, wait, actually, with Detroit, I did want to say one thing. I, I forgot. I wanted to mention that there's a defenseman who Victor was very high on in our Calder candidates episode, Simon Evanson, and he ended up getting sent down. Uh, so that's going to obviously make it harder for him, for him to win the Calder. Maybe he'll get called up at some point. Uh, but yeah, so that's something to note. Hopefully no one laid down any big bets on, on Edvinson there. Uh, also, Andrew Kopp has been injured for all of the preseason, but he's apparently going to be back healthy for the season. So I'll be interested to see what he can do in this new situation with Verona, who you talked about, Brian, and David Perron on that second line. But okay, next up, let's go to Seattle which is another Brian team. Uh, yeah, so where do you want to go? I, we have actually a couple questions from patrons here. So how about you do yours, and I'll quickly throw the patron questions to you about Seattle. 
Okay, Seattle, I, the obvious storyline and the one we've all been following is that Maddie Beneers is justifying his ADPs uh, for anyone who reached a little bit higher on him for the rookie, like for the upside that he's shown, even though he has not played any long stretch in the NHL before. Maddie Beneers looking like he might, you might be able to believe the hype here. Four goals on 12 shots, averaging nearly 18 minutes a night, playing on a line most recently with Burakovsky and McCann, who I think both get a bump in their value based on them playing with Maddie Veneers. You've got Alex Wenberg also with four points in Seattle and playing nearly 20 minutes with Bjorkstrand and Yanni Gord, which is another interesting line. And then you have Jaden Schwartz, who was looking good, but then got hurt. Stop me if you've heard that one before. But I just feel like there's a lot going on in Seattle that is interesting, which I feel like I could have said last season and no one really ever stepped up. I feel like the Beneers line has that opportunity to, p- to potentially step up and do something exciting and f- like really interesting and fancy, not just be somebody who hangs out at the bottom of your roster that you can't quite drop, but you don't really want to hold. Uh, and Philip Grubauer also mentioned as someone who uh, was taken late amongst goalies in every draft I was in. Still preseason, but he's stopped 62 of 66 shots so far. And I just, like, that doesn't mean he's going to have a good year. But I think if he had a bad preseason, that would be something that would be really hard to recover from if he was off on the wrong foot. He's not. So this is step one of maybe several hundred steps of a Grubauer redemption season. But it's nice to see that step one is complete. Yeah, no, I'm into Grubauer. I got him in a couple of leagues, including the Kakupful draft. Maybe I paid too much, but uh, you know, more or less than some other goalies. Yeah, Seattle looks like they could be better. And Grubauer, yeah, so like you said, step one, he had a good training camp, seems to have some game left in him, so we'll see what he can do. That was actually one of the questions. Garrett asked if Grubauer's comeback is for real. So obviously we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, 939 save percentage in his three games. Ryan W. asked if it's too early to drop Bjorkstrand. I know, Brian, generally you're like, never drop anyone because of preseason. You shouldn't read too much into it. But we will mention he only had one assist and only six shots in his four preseason games. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no I fun. Think not, put not great. A, uh, yeah, I'd say you could. Honestly, like it would be better if you could wait a game or two. And I think Seattle might have, I, tell me if I'm wrong, they might have an off day game this week at some point. I think they go Wednesday and Thursday, so you could get two early games. Okay, yeah, although your lineup might already be full Thursday. But I would hold him for Wednesday, see what happens. He's a guy to be taking one game at a time. And since he's playing on an off day early, I think I might hold on. But I do worry that he could just fall into that Schwartz or Eberle tier of player that we saw last year uh, that I just described, where uh, just too good to drop, but just bad enough that you're not at all happy to use a roster spot on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, too bad. What a fall. There was a stretch where he was looking so, so good over in Columbus, but who knows? Maybe he'll he'll find something here in, in Seattle. Uh, Andre Burkowski is someone I'm really interested in. I'll just throw it out there. Like uh, Everyone's super stoked about Beneers in yeah. one-year leagues. Like Burkowski's with Beneers on the top line and top power play. Yeah, he's uh, a good vibes player for me this year. Yeah, I think he's going to have a good year for sure. And I wasn't feeling that way until like training camp started and I saw him like locked to veneers on that top line. Okay, so on this random list that we generated to start this whole hullabaloo a couple of hours ago now, uh, next up we've got the Pittsburgh Penguins. We're on team 22 of our 32-team journey. And Pittsburgh is a team that, Brian, once again, you are slated to talk about the biggest impacts going into the season. We're going to have like a massive Elon run to end the show. It's got to be. Uh, no, I think it's great, actually. <laughs> I think uh, I, I'm all for it. Uh, Pittsburgh, 
there wasn't a whole lot to see here, in my opinion. It was nice to see Malkin play a game and collect three assists. We saw that Brian Rust is still with Malkin, along with Jason Zucker, who continues to get top six opportunities. This has to be his last one. And you've got Ricard Raquel playing on the top line with Crosby and Gensel. Both of those lines, the Crosby and Malkin line, had two goals in their preseason contest on Friday. So that's good news. I think it's a, it's a good time to be in the top six in Pittsburgh. It's always a good time. And it seems like there's room for everybody at the moment. Of course, guys who are on the outside looking in, Jeff Carter, Kasperi Kapanen, not that we were really expecting them to hold on to a spot inside that top six. The only other thing worth mentioning is that Brian Rust, uh, for all you know, the hand-wringing we did, still playing with before the season, still playing with Malkin, and still on the top power play. So there's still a lot of opportunity there. He's not lining up with Crosby right now, but I'm sure that can change pretty easily. Yeah, well, and it could also just be really good for him to play with Malkin and hopefully, you know, won't hurt him yeah. too much as long as he's on that top power play. Yeah, but Raquel only 35% rostered on Yahoo and he's playing with Crosby and Gensel and he's good. Like, I think Ricard Raquel is a good player. So I would definitely be interested in him. I don't know. We talked about some guys in the last show. I'm trying to remember some of those names, like, I don't know, uh, Holtz. Whatever. I would take Raquel, Raquel over Holtz in a one-year league, definitely, with the current situation. Uh, okay, so next up... Where are we going here? We just did Pittsburgh. Buffalo Sabres. Is it going to be another Brian? What are the odds? No, it's an Elon. Okay. Buffalo. First of all, I'm going to say that Owen Power, you know, again, it's preseason. You don't want to like read too much into blah, blah, blah. Didn't really impress, right, For fa- fantasy-wise. He played some big minutes, but no points in his three games. I know a lot of people were excited to draft Owen Power. He might be someone that – well, I know, Brian, you were saying like you don't get the hype on Dursey. Like, uh, and I think you've also said it about power. I think at this I point, have. I think I might take uh, in Cupful, give me Dursey over power. I don't know if that's like a really like heron no. thing to say. I mean, you heard what I said about Dursey and I agree with you. I would take Dursey over power. He's someone also on the list where people are mentioning their options. I'm, I'm not doubting the guy. I think he's super talented. I just don't see the room or space for him to really be really exciting as a fantasy uh, guy to have on your team. And where he's being drafted is way, way above. Like, I, I think this is a guy who could be a free agent in a lot of leagues before long. Yeah, obviously, like, one day he'll be really great for fantasy, but it just might not be this year. Uh, the forward lines on Buffalo are very interesting right now. Not what we expected, right? We expected Thompson, Skinner, and Tuck to be the top line, like, in the offseason. That seemed to be, that's what they did last year at the end of the year, and it seemed to go well. But no, it's been actually uh, Victor Olafson most recently playing with Skinner and Thompson. So he uh, becomes interesting. Actually, Brian, I'd be curious to know, like, who is the third Sabre forward you'd want on your team after Skinner and Thompson if you if you agree with the premise that Thompson and then Skinner are the top two uh to me like yeah so maybe it's Olafson. there still is Alex Tuck he had one assist in three games in the preseason so not so excited he's on a line with a uh, middle stat and Jack Quinn who's like by the way Jack Quinn 16 shots in five games along with his three points so he's had a very impressive camp and that should be a really fun line but also this other line is going to be really fun with Dylan Cousins Peyton Krebs and JJ Paterka so we've got a lot of really fun young players who we're going to get some of them our first glimpses at them and like Paterka and Quinn and some like, you know, still early glances like Krebs and, and Dylan Cousins and, and even like Casey Middle- Casey Middlestad, I guess, has been around a while now, but he's always like injured. And so I feel like we haven't really gotten a full good season of him to see what he can do. So, yeah, there's a lot of interesting guys here. To me, it's like a real dice roll. And I, I think this actually can be a dice roll because it's like six guys that I'm not sure who is the third most valuable forward to have in Buffalo. Who would you take? I think I'm taking Alex Tuck just because he's someone who I kind of trust to at least shoot a bunch if he's not going to get points. Although the the upside for 
right now. It seems to be all of sin. If I was adding a saber right now, I would make it all of sin. Uh, if I was just taking a shot in the dark for the first few games of the season, I like him being on line one, power play one. I like that uh, we heard Joe Yurden say in the offseason in our 32 Beats interview that Olofsson could fill the role of being like a power play trigger man specialist. Like this might be what he's good at as an NHLer, and he might not be the most thrilling or special five on five player, but hey, that's covered by the fact that he's been practicing for a while now with Skinner and Thompson. So I, I like to see that. Uh, it's disappointing for you know the Jack Quinn hype and the Alex Tuck hype, but looking through that top nine in Buffalo, there's a lot of possible combinations here that I, I'm not going to get so married to. Um, so if Olofsson falls off that top line or isn't playing top power play, I would let him fall off my roster too. Oh yeah, for sure, definitely. So yeah, Buffalo will be fun. Uh, hopefully they won't be bad. I don't know if they're a playoff team yet looking at this roster, but it's a lot of really fun guys that like could be like a really exciting team in a few years if they can keep this band together and people meet their potential. Next up, let's go to your defending Stanley Cup champion, Colorado Avalanche. And here are the latest lines with Gabriel Landeskog still out with no timeline for when he'll be back. So it's been McKinnon, Rantanen, and Arturi Lekkinen on the top line. And then Alex Newhook centering Nichushkin and Evan Rodriguez. So, and then the top power play... In the latest practice, um, McKinnon, Rantanen, Nichushkin, Lekkinen, and Makar. So, obviously, McKinnon, Rantanen, Makar, not much to say about them. Nichushkin at this point, still in a good spot. Second line, top power play like last year, so I expect he'll have a good year, and he's probably not available in most leagues. Uh, people seem to be really excited about Arturi Lekkinen, and for good reason, right? We're looking at top line, top power play with McKinnon and Rantanen, so I definitely agree. Like, he should be rostered everywhere. It's pretty wild that this is a guy who started last year on the Habs and wasn't getting drafted anywhere, and now he's like, a top line top power play guy on Colorado that's like a real change of fortune like I, I wonder if, if we could think of examples of other guys who have gone from like not draftable not even like mentioned on anyone radar in fantasy to the next year being like a must roster in, in Sam like Bennett Sam Bennett oh yeah that's a good one for sure <laughs> okay you, you nailed it right there uh, but I will throw it out there that if you're like feeling bad and like, oh, I can't believe I missed out on Lekkonen. I'm so, so dumb. Now I'm going to miss out on all that fun in Colorado. It might be worth taking a shot on Evan Rodriguez because if, 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 you know, let's go back a year. Let's say we're looking in October 2021 and we were talking about who do you think's better, Lekkonen or Evan Rodriguez? Like Evan Rodriguez started last year on this crazy run. He was looking so amazing on Pittsburgh. And that was, of course, with uh, Malkin out. He was playing with Crosby and Gensel. He had 15 points in his first 21 games. Then he kind of fell off by the end of the year. But I like, it's like, it's not, it wouldn't be a shock to me if like Lekkonen ends up not playing that well and Rodriguez ends up getting that spot. Like clearly Rodriguez, like you said, Brian, about uh, Connor Brown being good at playing with top players. Clearly Evan Rodriguez showed that he's really good at playing with star players. So maybe at some point this Lekkonen thing isn't working and Evan Rodriguez gets a shot. And even if he doesn't, by the way, playing on the second line is still pretty good on Colorado. We saw what Nichushkin did last year there, like Nazem Kadri, of course. So I don't know. I'm kind of into Evan Rodriguez. I'd stream him in. Colorado is also one of these teams that plays Wednesday, Thursday, so you can get some early games out of him. And uh, he's had a pretty good camp. He had a goal, two assists, and 13 shots in his three preseason games. So yeah, I've streamed him in on my cupful division, and uh, I'm kind of into it. And by the way, New Hook also, Tony's saying, is legit too as a second-line center. So it's like, 
this is Colorado, right? I just feel like last year they showed me that like if, if you're playing in the top six in Colorado, you're probably going to get some points. So I'm into Rodriguez as someone that could potentially bump uh, Lekkonen. But again, I'm still saying to grab Lekkonen first, but I'm saying just like it's it, it wouldn't be outside of the realm of possibility that they shake things around at some point and all of a sudden it's Evan Rodriguez getting that exciting spot with McKinnon and Rantanen. You could be me and have Lekkonen and Rodriguez oh on like a couple full roster. So I, I'm set or like I'm half set or fully set. I don't know if I can be 100% set with those two players, but I like your excitement for them. Also, I'm glad we threw in a little Alex Newhook mention. And I think that's it for Colorado. Like, I, I don't think there's a whole lot more to say. So, so well covered. I'm going to take it to a divisional rival in Minnesota. It's a Brian team. Uh, of course, the very early takeaway from Minnesota, this was happening during all of our drafts, is that uh, Caitlin Addison on the top power play unit seems to be the development, which, one, makes makes certain that he is rosterable, at least for the start of the season. We always point out that we haven't seen a rosterable Minnesota power play one quarterback since Marek Zidlitsky all those years ago. It's funny because like he was also the last rosterable New Jersey Devils power play one quarterback for a while too. He like I don't know what he does. He like slashes the tires of power plays when he's done with them. Um, but so that's one angle. Get Addison. The other angle is is Jared Spurgeon still rosterable? Like he's going to see lots of minutes, but if he's not on the top power play. We'll see how much action he can get in on, but we saw a drop in his peripherals last season. That made him really, really tough to roster through the year because he wasn't racking up power play one points either. Um, So if he's not even on the top unit and his peripherals don't bounce back, then uh, those such as myself who drafted him in a league or two, you might want to look to cut bait, honestly, before two. I'm not saying do anything rash. It depends on what the free agent wire looks like, of course, but I don't think he's a, a must hold given that Kalen Addison is now the top power play guy. Um, I mean, I will min- just throw it in there yeah. that okay. he's top power play to start the year and he has a good pedigree. Like he definitely could hold the spot all year or he can lose that job in like two games, right? So I, I definitely would give it a little bit of time to just see yeah. how he does in actual NHL action before just like saying, okay, forget Spurgeon, Addison's the guy. But yeah, yeah. It's, is it definitely for now you want Addison just in case. Agreed. Like, don't don't do anything preemptive here. Like, yeah. Wait and see, but don't get, don't get caught with Jared Spurgeon snoozing on your roster. That's Definitely. that's the that's the alert here with Addison stepping up. Uh, Minnesota point leaders through the preseason. We've got Marco Rossi with two goals and seven assists for nine points in seven games. And here's a name that you probably you probably knew about Rossi, but you probably didn't know that Tyson Jost has had himself a preseason: three goals, four assists, and seven points in five games, playing nearly twenty minutes a night or. I guess closer to 19. Um, a lot of Wild had some good preseasons. Sam, Sam Steele, Matt Boldy, Ryan Hartman, Matt Zuccarello, like a mix of guys we expect and hope from or would love to see, would be a little surprised. But this uh, Joel Erickson Eck, Marcus Foligno, and Tyson Jost line seems to be a thing. And I wonder if they're a line to watch. It kind of reminds me of the the Backland for League Kachuk lines in Calgary. This is back when Kachuk... And these other two guys were still, you know, they all got like 50 points, decent streamers for occasional points and peripherals. Maybe a more recent example is like Trevor Moore, Phil Dano, Victor Arvidsson for this Jost Ek Felino line. But if Jost can hold there, I wonder if he can be uh, 
kind of fantasy relevant, as relevant as Felino and Erickson Eck have made yeah. themselves over the last couple seasons. I'm into this Minnesota team. It's kind of like they have a lot of like reclamation projects, right? They got Tyson Jones, they've got Sam Steele, uh, Ryan Hartman. They already, I guess, you know, fixed him up last year after he was kind of a nobody over in Chicago. And yeah, and then also obviously these young guys like Marco Rossi, who had this amazing camp, Matt Boldy. Uh, so it's it's a fun mix here. They're going to be a fun team to watch and see how all these players do, including, of course, those defensemen that you brought up, Brian, in uh, you know Addison and then Spurgeon, how they'll affect each other. Okay, so that's Minnesota. Uh, we've got seven teams to go, and we'll get to them in just a sec. You're listening to Keeping Carlson. All right, we are back, Brian, and we're on the back half of part two of our mega episode here, going through each team and giving a fantasy take going into the season. And we're going to stop next in Columbus. And it looks like this is a team that Brian is going to be talking about. So who do you want to talk about on Columbus? Well, I'm going to take it to the preseason points leader on Columbus, which is Igor Chinnikov who is 21 years old. He's a former first-round pick, drafted in 2020, 21st overall, just a little bit ahead of Jake Neighbors, who we talked about earlier, who played... We saw 62 games from him last season. We only saw 14 points from him over those 62 games and only 12 and a half minutes a night, so that wasn't exciting. But seven points in six games to start the season is... Um, this is a guy who actually doesn't have much of a track record to go by like you look at his elite prospects or hockey db profile there's very little pro experience here to go on the guy's still young and he hasn't played a whole lot over the last few years as you know in these final years of his development hopefully into a real nhler uh he was playing with uh jack roslevic and jakob voracek on what looks like the second line in Columbus to me. So maybe he's someone to keep a bit of an eye on. The other takeaways from Blue Jackets camp is Boone Jenner. Seems like obviously is holding on to that top line spot with Gaudreau and Liney. I can say obviously now, even though I wasn't saying that at all <laughs> over the past month or two. And uh, one other guy I'll mention is Nick Blankenberg. He didn't seem to have a great camp. He was wor- he was working a lot with Wierenski last season, putting up some nice peripherals numbers and had a couple points here or there. He is uh, falling down the D-depth chart. And lately we've had Adam Boakvist lining up with Wierenski instead. So maybe a guy to stop or to not keep so close an eye on in Blankenberg and a guy to keep a bit of a closer eye on in Boakvist. Okay, yeah, I guess the top pairing guy with Wierenski is the next guy you want on Columbus. And yeah, Chinnikov, definitely very interesting. Second line with Roslovic and Voracek. I'm interested. Uh, Alex is saying he led the preseason in goals of, of everyone in the league. So yeah, uh, it'll be... Oh no, that's Tony who said that. What a, what a fun chat we have, by the way. A lot of a lot of cool comments here. And yeah, Chinnikov's someone I'm definitely watching. It was a bit of a surprise. Marchenko got sent down. I thought that he was uh, going to be a potential Calder candidate. I know Victor and I talked about him. By the way, I'm like mentioning the guys who like didn't make the team, making it sound as if Victor was wrong. Like Victor, obviously, I'm just like interested because we talked about like every single possible guy. And so obviously there's going to be a couple that end up not making the team. But yeah, Obviously, Victor also said that he thinks Beniers is going to win the Calder, and I definitely agree with him there. And based on the preseason, I think that's definitely looking like the front runner. Okay, so that's Columbus. Uh, they're going to be interesting this year. I wonder if they're like still really like not good, or if like this is enough. Like getting Gaudreau is like enough to now make them a, a bit of a contender. So that'll be a fun storyline to watch. Let's go to Vegas next, and who's talking about Vegas? 
It's a me. Oh, I guess we've like we've discussed Brian. It is going to be a lot of Elon maybe for the rest of this. Vegas has been very interesting in camp. Specifically, who's playing with Jack Eichel? I'll tell you. It's been Riley Smith and Phil Kessel. And Riley Smith and Jack Eichel have had huge camps. Both of them playing together. Eight points for Riley Smith. Seven points for Eichel. I'm really interested in Riley Smith. I don't know if he's available to you, dear listener, listening to this right now. But if he is... I'd go get him. Like people are excited about Phil Kessel, you know, coming from Arizona, playing on the top line. I'm sure a lot of people are like, "Oh, you got to grab Phil Kessel." And sure, but I take Riley Smith first, right? I don't know. Like to me, it's like Kessel's interesting, but Riley Smith is very interesting to me, and it looks like he and Eichel have chemistry. I will also just say I'm really into Jack Eichel, which is probably not a hot take at this point. But I know last year he wasn't as exciting as people thought he would be. He's going to have a really big year. To me, it's like Eichel versus Jack Hughes. I'm trying to decide who I think is going to have a bigger year. And I know there's no reason to like compare them to each other. But in my head, it's like those are my two like guys who are going to really like shoot up and like have their big like maybe 100-point season. So that'll be fun to watch. Uh, but yeah, if you could get a Phil Kessel or a Riley Smith for a game on Tuesday, there's only two games tomorrow. And Vegas plays in one of those games against LA. So if you could get one of those top liners, I'd definitely go for it. Uh, aside from that top line, uh, the other lines are kind of odd to me. Like it's been Stevenson with Stone and Howden, and then Marcia So with William Carlson and Amadio. I kind of feel like someone should call Bruce Casti and let him know that like Howden is supposed to be the one on the third line. And it's Marcia So that's supposed to be one on the second line. I think he might have just messed that up or something. So someone just let him know. It's supposed to be Marsha, so Stevenson and Stone. And then uh, Carlson could go with Howden and Amadio. That, that, that's what I think makes sense, right, Brian? For sure. I think what Bruce Cassie might be trying to do here is is make a top nine out of a top six, which is definitely possible, but it is bad news for anyone who has bought stocks in Jonathan Marsha, so for sure. But that Riley Smith uh, top line, top power play clicking with Jack Eichel in early days, that's pretty exciting. And Riley Smith doing well wouldn't come out of nowhere, right? When he came to Vegas, there that inaugural season where everyone did amazing, 73-point pace. Since then, 59-point pace, 62 points, and a very disappointing 39-point pace two years ago and bumped back up to a 56-point pace last year, which was also kind of disappointing and we didn't feel like he had anyone in Vegas really reached their potential that season. So uh, a healthy Jack Eichel playing with uh, Riley Smith from the start, getting some great power play pull, that could be really, really big. There's actually a league where I, I play in where I had Smith on my watch list and I thought it would be the only one and it's a it's a friends league and I was just waiting closer to the end of preseason there's only 30 moves for the year uh, I didn't want to grab him too soon in case there was an injury or something else changed and I missed him I ended up with Ricard Raquel someone else did go ahead and grab him and I'm really kicking myself mm. for letting that happen Ricard Raquel isn't a bad consolation prize but I would have rathered Riley Smith uh, on that roster so uh, I, I I like the attention to him and uh, I'm very excited to see if he can come close to uh, beating a 60-point pace for the third time in his career, which I, I think is absolutely possible. Elon, from what you've seen in preseason, let's go over to Florida and talk about what's possible there. Uh, oh, I guess Florida's my team. Yeah. Okay, obviously, so... There's so many former sends in Florida. I just want to point out like these, like Colin White, he's like off to the side sends, Chris Tierney, Rudolph Balsers, Anthony Duclair is a former send, Michael Delzato, plus you got Brady Kachuk's brother, Matthew, over there, who is playing, he's practicing with Rudolph Balsers on the second line. You got uh, Kachuk, Balsers, and Bennett. 
practicing on the second line while you have Sam Reinhardt on the top line with Barkov and Verhege, who I really, really like. I like Verhege a lot this year. I think he can just go back to doing the thing he was doing with Barkov two years ago, which is like a 70-point pace, and that last season was a hiccup, but not anything to be worried about. So if uh, Verhege's still out there for you, and that sounds interesting, go for it. Um, but I guess I'm a little worried, Elon, in this setup about Matthew Kachuk. Like, if Florida stacks the top line with Sam Reinhardt and Barkov, and Kachuk doesn't play with either of them, like, I was kind of counting on Matthew Kachuk to play with one of them. If he gets none of them, I'm not sure I like that for Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, I mean, again, it's like a new coach and a new situation, and things could change, like, very quickly. Maybe by the time people listen to this episode, like, Matthew Kachuk will be getting runs on that line. But I agree with you. Like, if Kachuk's going to be playing with Bennett and Balsers, uh, yeah, I... Who, Brian, who who would be your pick right now to get more points? Not fantasy points, because I know Kachuk also does a lot of other great things for you in the peripherals. But uh, Verhage versus Kachuk. Who do you think is going to get more points this year? Oh. Because you're saying 70 I, points for Verhage. That's pretty high. Yeah. I think I have to go Kachuk, because it's been a while since Kachuk has been below 70 points. But I did mention those days with Backland and Froelich in Calgary where, I mean, he hadn't broken out yet, but he was pacing, you know, for under 60 points. Yeah, I think I'm still, I can't not go Matthew Kachuk here, but I think for Hagee's going to make a, a good, a good case here. And worst case scenario for Kachuk, I, I, I still think we'll be close enough to for Hagee that you're going to want Kachuk. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, and then Reinhardt, by the way, cause I know you're saying all your love for, for Hagee, but that's assuming that like, Barkov and Reinhardt are gone, right? Because Reinhardt's looking like a, an, an amazing spot to anyone who drafted him right now. Oh, yeah. Okay, so let's go now. Oh, by the way, with Vegas, I was going to say one more thing, which is that Logan Thompson is looking really good, right? He had a really strong preseason, much better than Aiden Hill did. I know that, like, Thompson's the one they could probably send to the minors. I might be wrong about that even. I'm just assuming because he's younger. But, like, when Brossois is back, I think that Logan Thompson will stay. Like, for anyone who thought that... Like, I know, like, I, I just would be shocked if like logan thompson who's playing better than aiden hill then gets sent down for like whatever reason and then they run a brossois hill tandem it just doesn't seem like it'll fit so i think logan thompson is someone that's gonna have a good season and it's worth grabbing if he's somehow still out there but okay we're done with vegas we're done with florida let's go to the tampa bay lightning so staying in florida and that is another brian team okay so there's a lot of brian still to go yeah well this is it this is my last team you've got the last three after okay. tampa <laughs> Uh, who unfortunately usually come towards the end of the alphabetical order. So sorry, Lightning fans, if you thought. Actually, we've got Tampa, San Jose, and Winnipeg. It's three of the last four teams. So sometimes randomization doesn't quite accomplish what we're looking. Uh, But let me just talk about Tampa here, where the big storyline has been Vladislav Nemesnikov, right? He's back in Tampa, last seen doing well in Tampa, did a bit of a a mini tour of the league, now is back there, and uh, looking... Like, he's getting some looks. It looked great in preseason. Five goals and assist. Uh, five goals on 12 shots. So that's six points in four games for Nemesnikov. That looks good. Uh, was also getting top power play time when Stamkos was not in the lineup. This first line, like, Kucherov and Point seem paired by the Lightning. The three people we've seen play with them are Nemesnikov, Brandon Hagel, and Steven Stamkos. And I, I haven't seen it really stabilize in one direction or another. So I'll be watching that first Tampa game. If you're looking for an early stream, you might look at Nemesnikov or Hagel if you see them warming up on that line with Kucherov and Point. That would be exciting. And that's my preseason Tampa takeaway. It's kind of fun to see him back there. Like, 
we back in 2017-18, we spent a lot of time on keeping Carlson talking about Nemesnikov. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll do it again, or maybe this will be the last time. So it'll be fun to see what happens there. All right, so what did you say, Brian? We got three left, and they're all me. San Jose, Carolina, and Winnipeg. So let's just go in order here. San Jose, two losses to start the season versus Nashville. Uh, you mentioned in part one how you like Luke Kunin better than Nino Niederreiter, and I guess I can see why. He's been on the top line with Hurdle and Meyer, who are the clear two top players on the team and you definitely want anyone playing with them and Luke Kunin is also good for hits so that's good he had an assist in, on Hurdle's goal in game one and then he had a power play goal from the second power play in game two so there you go Luke Kunin of course there's um, people out like Barabanov is injured so it's possible Barabanov comes back and bumps Luke Kunin but like it seems like Kunin's doing okay so why should Barabanov bump him if Kunin's doing well also Eklund and Bordelow didn't even get to play in those two games which is kind of like a bummer, right? Like, what? I, I just feel like in general, the NHL, like these these two games. I guess it's not the NHL's fault here, but it's like, why not uh, show off some exciting new prospects if you're doing this like overseas like game where the whole point is to give exposure to? Anyways, whatever. I don't really care. But uh, maybe at some point, Eklund can get on the top line because he's obviously a really high pedigree guy himself. Uh, so yeah, Luke Kunin. I don't know. He's only 24 was only seeing sub 14 minutes of ice time on Nashville. So if he gets some more opportunity in San Jose, who knows what this guy has in him. I'm curious. Luke Hunan so far has fit the profile of someone who's really good in the AHL and not very good in the NHL, at least in terms of being a producer. And like you said, Elon, he hasn't really been given the opportunity. And this is when he sort of fell into because a spot was open, but he earned that spot and he's doing great in it. Uh, Kunin's AHL record, by the way, 80 points in 76 career games over parts of three seasons with Iowa. So that's the Wilds AHL affiliate. This is a former first round pick, 15th overall in 2016, drafted by the Wild. So I'm uh, I'm watching. Like I said, he's not someone I thought I would be rushing to drop him to be able to make some other roster moves right now. I'm not. I'm just going to hold on to him and see what he does in the next game. And if he does well, then in the next game after that. And then we'll see when Barabanov comes back, if he gets pushed out or if he's uh, kind of made his own case for being in that spot. Because Barabanov wasn't like, you know, guaranteed to produce or be awesome in that spot. So maybe Kunin's a better fit. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you have to wait for the next game. I think just wait for, like, the line combos, right? Like, if you get line combos on game day tweets that say mm. that Kunin's back on line three and Barabanov's on line one, you could probably just drop Kunin even before the next game. But, like, I think as long as he's there with Hurdle and Meyer, I agree. You hold on. Uh Okay, Carolina's next. Another team that has a guy on the top line that's maybe going to be able to feast with uh, two really strong linemates. I'm, of course, talking about Seth Jarvis, who's been playing on the top line and top power play all preseason with Aho and Tara Vinen. So Jarvis, very interesting. And unlike Luke Kunin, Seth Jarvis like also has a really high pedigree, and we've expected that he's going to be a big name in the league at some point. He had a very quiet 48-point pace in his rookie season last year. It's not as if he was terrible you know like he if he just gets like 10 more points if he improves a little bit he's a fantasy relevant guy and i think it's very possible with this deployment at three points in three preseason games so i'm definitely very interested in seth jarvis and i think that he's yeah i uh, must add yeah if he's available in your league go get him let's see he's on the top line top power play i mean what, what else do you want yeah, with you Okay, and then the second line has been Natchez, Kokniemi, and Svechnikov. You might be nervous about Svechnikov, by the way. He's been on the second power play. Also, Andre Kasha has been on the top power play. I don't get that. I don't think it's going to last. I'm not too worried. Like, I, I guess we got we had a tweet actually just earlier today. Like, are you should I be worried about Svechnikov? And I guess it's like, 
you know, last year, Svechnikov paced for, what, like 70-something-ish points. I'm just bringing it up now here. Yeah, he, he paced for 73 points. So if that's fine with you, then, like, I'm not worried. Like, I think he'll be able to do that again. I'd be a little bit worried about his ability to, like, really break out and be, like, a 90-point guy like we thought he could be if he's going to be on the second power play and also on this line with Kakaniemi and Natchez. So we will see. Obviously, a lot can change. It's a long season. Uh, but in the meantime... You know, maybe not great news for Sveshnikov, but great news for Natchez. Six points in three preseason games. Of course, four of them came in that 8-1 blowout of the Canes, where probably you just don't want to count those points. So that's why it's hard to, like, read too much into these preseason point totals, because some of them just come in a crazy game where the other team maybe wasn't playing any of their good players. Uh, yeah, Kakaniemi, four points in four games, by the way. So if that's going to be the second line, all, all of these guys in the top six, I think, are worth a look, depending on the schedule. And then one more name I'll just throw out there, Brent Burns. Looking really good, right? So for all the hype... He's met it so far. Three goals, two assists in his two games. So we'll see if uh, he's for real all year. I think he's definitely going to do better than he did last year in San Jose, barring injury. A lot of fun storylines to follow this year in Carolina, which hasn't really been the case. Like they've kind of been a team that's been pretty set. We know what to expect from whoever's there. But things are kind of blown wide open right now. And so I am watching all the guys. Seth Jarvis, Andre Kasha, if he does manage to stay on the top power play, Martin Natchez, and Jesperi Kotkaniemi. All uh, all really interesting guys to follow. And I, I remember Brandon Weeb in Tier 1 catching me really off guard when he drafted Kotkaniemi. And I'm like, Brandon, this is uh, you're, you're the first person. No one in any Kakupful division has drafted Kotkaniemi, who has a pretty good Week 1 schedule, too, playing on an off day. So that is definitely helpful. And Brandon explained that maybe this is a really great opportunity for him if he's playing with Svechnikov on the second line and Natchez. Maybe this and and he's known for his defensive acumen. The uh, the comparison Brandon made was with Sean Couturier. I'm not sure if the whole thing tracks, but he like he got me, he got me interested. I'm sure. watching. Yeah, I'll also mention for a deep cut on Carolina. If you need uh, D, uh, I think Brady Shea is is pretty decent like nothing crazy but he had six and seven shots in his final two preseason games last year he had a slow start but also like we we gave him some mentions on keeping carlson a lot of like will brady shea keep this up and a lot of probably not and then he ended up not really keeping it up like after like you know a couple big games here and there but at the end of the day he plays pretty significant minutes and he seems to be a big shot taker so i wouldn't be shocked to see him end up as like a 40 to 45 ish point defenseman so you know in the same category as like a sean dersey for me if you want like that final defenseman on your team in a league especially if it counts shots then he's someone a little bit on my, on my radar so okay let's end now in winnipeg and the lines with new coach rick bonus have had one big significant difference from any line before with paul maurice and it's not what is it <laughs> so it's not the even strength lines but on the power play nick ehlers has been playing on the top power play oh who could have thought of this as an idea that might work to maybe not put paul stasny or whoever else winnipeg like okay let me i'm actually trying to guess now like if uh it was still paul maurice as the coach there the top power play would for sure be let's say it would be connor uh, shifley dubois well and wheeler probably but he'd probably also then if one of them got injured then he'd throw on mason like, appleton or bring Lowry. him in or, da- yeah. or adam Lowry. yeah exactly but no like doing the smart thing ehlers is there that makes me really excited it's actually making me also really regretful that i didn't go for ehlers and just pay whatever i needed to in the couple tier one auction because i'm really excited for him if you could somehow get him now before he pops off like in a trade 
Uh, I don't know. Do what you can, because I think he's going to have a really huge year now that Blake Wheeler is down on the second power play. And of course, things can change. But I think that Ehlers is going to earn that spot and, and hold it and just have a huge year. Also, a top line, right? So we're talking top line, top power play Ehlers. He's generally been like line two, power play two. So it's a huge change, and it's going to be huge for him. So I don't know how fantasy relevant that is for most people, because Ehlers is probably not available. But if you can trade for him, it's going to be huge. If you want someone that might be available to you that you want to look at, the second line has been Wheeler, Dubois, and Cole Perfetti, okay? So there's a, a rookie or a young prospect that's on the second line, and there's really, like, no one that's going to bump him. Like, you look at the rest of this roster, and there's, like, just no names that jump out at me. So I think Perfetti would really have to blow it to lose that spot. So he had four points in five games in the preseason. Uh, so he's someone that I think is going to be getting some mentions on our show throughout the year. Definitely. And it's it worth his mention today, Cole Perfetti, with 16 shots over five games. We were we liked what Alex Holtz had done with his shot-taking in preseason. I like that, too. Uh, Kyle Connor, by the way, I don't know if you mentioned, Elon, just blew the doors off preseason. Eight points in three games, 10 shots, four goals. Uh, fantastic to see Kyle Connor getting off on the right foot. And then I guess the only other guy I'll mention is Josh Morrissey, who's off to a great start points-wise. Four points in three games. So way to get two of them coming on the power play. Way to go, Josh Morrissey. Of course, in very Josh Morrissey fashion, he has a one single shot in those three games, which is um, the same... Uh, oh, no. I was going to say Neil Pionk has four shots in four games. But I was I was looking at Pionk earlier, uh, like as we approached preseason and through preseason, thinking maybe this is a... Maybe he can reclaim some of his of his value as like a valuable free agent pickup. I'm not feeling very confident that he's going to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you said at the auction, I think, when he got picked, I think you were like, I like Neil Pionk. And I remember thinking to myself, but why? And, and so uh, I'm glad. Oh, because he's been good before. Yeah, and one time. Well, yeah. You, yeah. It's hard to sometimes get over these guys times. who had like one or two good years. Yeah. But yeah, he'll have to definitely show me something before I'll be interested in him again. Like he's drafted and rostered in tier one, of course, because you talked about him. Uh, but like even if he got dropped right now, I wouldn't be like putting in a waiver claim. I, I, I would just leave him there. And then, yeah, if he does well, obviously he'd be. Or if, if Winnipeg has a good schedule, I'd stream him in and hope that he does well. But yeah, definitely not a huge name. Kind of like a Matt Dumba at this point, like someone who used to be good. We yeah. used to like think he's going to be a big deal. And now at this point, it's like, I think we might know what, what we I have like that guy. comp. Thank you. Okay. Well, I like a lot of things you said, and I hope that the listeners did as well. This has been a really fun two part episode going through every single team in the league. Brian, we did it. We're at the end. So at this point, I guess we can wrap up by just saying, enjoy the uh, NHL season. Everyone This is going to be a lot of fun. We've got games coming starting on Tuesday. No games on Sunday. That's kind of annoying. All, we were just starting. We started, then breaks. Then we're going to have some games. Then we're going to have a break again. But then we're really going to get into full force. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And yeah, like I've said before, please uh, subscribe to Keeping Carlson so you can stay up to date to everything we're going to throw at you. We're going to have a couple short shifts coming at you during this week. And then another mega show on Sunday. I may or may not be there. I'm... I'm thinking probably not because my wife is very likely going to be giving birth to our first kid uh, this week. So Brian, wish me luck there. And first I'll wish kid. you... First kid? Well, I don't know. What do you say? So I feel like whenever you say you're having a kid, they're like, oh, is it your first? So I thought I'd just like give more information in, in the one sentence rather <laughs> That's than... That's fair. You know. Anyway, 
just to say, uh, good luck to you and whoever else uh, is my replacement for this week. And I'm sure it's going to be an amazing show. And I'll definitely be, uh, you know, tweeting all, like whatever, you, like you know, I'll be t- chatting with you. But all the guys on my radar by the end of the week, so you'll you'll know that it's still an episode where it's, you're getting the guys that I want to hear about from our, our mystery guests here. But yeah, this has been a blast. Uh, and so yeah, please subscribe if you uh, will be so kind, and uh, hopefully we'll be kind to you by giving you great content to make it worth your subscription. Uh, also, we have a Patreon for people who want to. Support support the show first of all it's like a nice thing to do if you like the podcast right like we like you know we're gonna name a bunch of perks we give you but just off the bat you know throw five bucks a month at us and we give you you know all these episodes so if you think that's worth it that's something uh but also we give a lot to our patrons and the patrons give a lot to us it's like your kids right brian it's like it's actually them who like have taught me and yeah we have a discord community for our patrons where we just have so much fun chatting about everything going on like people ask advice questions we have a cool like thread system where it's really easy for someone to ask a question and not get it buried because you have your own thread just for your question and then brian and i always answer like every question uh it's really fun and then also some other perks for being a patron is you get our monthly patron casts uh, you're in the couple, though, at that point. At this point, if you want to play in the, in the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League, you're not going to be able to get in to start the year. But if you sign up as a patron now, you, you, you're going to want to do it quick because you'll get on the wait list. And there's always, you know, throughout the season, different people end up, you know, being inactive. And Kevin, our amazing uh, coordinator, has all these great tools and bots ready to, like, catch people who are losing interest and not setting their lineups. And we'll message them. We're not going to kick anybody out without warning them. But we'll message them. And then there's always some people who decide that they're just not going to come back. And that's when we go to the wait list. And, you know, we want to keep the league, like, active the whole time. So if you want to get in this year, become a patron, join the wait list, and and all the other stuff I said. So keepingcarlson.com slash patron if you want to support the show at the start of the year. We'd, of course, really appreciate that. But with that, Brian, I guess I'm done my blabbing, so I'm going to cue the outro music. Future Elon, put in the outro music. Okay, and then Brian, present Brian, please read us the credits. All right, this episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dabra Hockey and powered by our patrons, including our super supporters, Aaron, Tyler, Andrea, Tom, Ryan, Derek, David, Rob, and of course, Patty. Uh, what else do I normally say here? I just lost the spot. Here it is. Thank you to our Cupful coordinator, Kevin Bear who I met in person today. What a guy. So good. Had some great poutine. That he, and, and he has a beautiful dog named Molly. Who, who treated? Or did you both uh, go pay for yourselves? No, uh, he had already eaten lunch, unfortunately. But he, so he came just to... watched you eat poutine well. Yeah, I know. What a guy. What a guy. Yeah, so thanks to Kevin for making the cupful all set up and ready to run. And our team of co-commissions, too, are really doing amazing work, just like you and Shams are, Elon, uh, with, on GameDayTweets.com, with which, honestly, it's the number one source for this episode. Absolutely indispensable. It's like, it's like podcasting in the dark before you put this site together. GameDayTweets.com as well. Also, you can follow Ben and Lewis. Short Shifts is coming back at Short Shifts KK. Follow Dave, who you've heard, with his NHL stream scheme at NHL Stream Scheme. Logo art by BrandonWeeb.com. Outro music by Pat Roach. This episode was researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Tools, Dauber Prospects, Natural Statric, Evolving Hockey, Cap Friendly, The Athletic, Hockey Reference, Hockey Viz, Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, and one more time, GameDayTweets.com. Thanks a lot, Brian. This was so much fun. And good luck to everyone in your first week of fantasy. Anything we should be keeping in mind while we play this really fun game? Yeah, please. I I mean, you've seen the news. It's important. Do what you can, please, to make sure that fantasy hockey really can be for everyone.